0: Clubhouse.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Pod Clubhouse's Press Pass. This is Paul, fresh back from the Houston Horror Film Festival 2023 edition, where I had the pleasure of meeting filmmaker Victoria Wallace Kincaid outside the film screening room at the hotel. I did not get to catch her film, but I saw the filmmaker attachment on her badge. And I was like, I need to talk to you. So I introduced myself and she gave me a link to her movie and I wanted to know more. So thanks for joining me today, Victoria and Jason, the producer of the movie.
0: Thank you for having us.
2: Yes.
1: All right. So let's first talk about the movie In the Dark. One minute shorts. I'm sure are a gigantic challenge to try to get everything that you want to do or at least most of what you want to do Contained within that one minute. So where did we start? How did this project come to be?
0: So Jason and I were discussing other projects actually and this probably would have been in January, I believe of this uh, year and We had been talking about it, and he mentioned that uh, Lazy Park Productions was putting on a film festival called Zeal Reel. And all of the shorts that go into Zeal Reel have to be 60 seconds or less. And uh, we thought that would be a great thing to participate in. It would be a good challenge, something very short we could do in a day. Um, So we uh, got together and pitched some ideas. Got a script down, uh, shot it in one evening, and it's been a lot of fun since.
1: (laughs) So this was for a competition for something called Zeal Reel. For people that aren't familiar with that, what is that?
0: It's a one minute or less film competition. So all films have to be under 60 seconds. And they uh, do the screenings at the Houston Arboretum. Uh, it's through Lazy Park Productions.
1: So this is a and, local effort. Yes, it okay. is a
0: local thing. And they, they take films uh, locally, internationally. But it, it was um, a great opportunity to meet a lot of local and international filmmakers. And just a great opportunity to have a challenge that wasn't so restrictive for a filmmaking competition. Were
1: they um, genre films or were they just anything?
0: Any film, um, the only real restriction was under sixty
1: seconds. Well, Okay, um, I have not heard of this, but I I will, I will look into this because Houston is a. I don't know. I I, I think it's a <laughs> as far as a film community. I'm not. I don't think of it as like bustling, <laughs> you know. And I'd like to. I'd like to think of it that way. Maybe maybe you could tell me more about the Houston film community because when I look at Texas, I think. Austin, not Houston, so much.
0: Yeah, I think with uh, Houston, we do get overlooked, not just in film, but in a lot of things. Uh, you know, we're the fourth largest city in the United States, and yet we're still overlooked constantly for pretty much everything. But the community here is so great and so special, and the you know there's just this culture of collaboration and helping each other and really supporting each other. And we have, ironically, some of the best resources for independent filmmakers, I think, compared to, you know, pretty much any other city. You know, we have free networking events constantly going on. We have, you know, different organizations, like HCAS, WOMP, I'm blanking out, Houston Film Commission. (laughs) Um, We have a lot of great local, film screenings and festivals. Houston horror community is very unique in (laughs) how wonderful and embracing they are. Very active. So yes, it's it's really a great community and I wish that people appreciated it more.
1: Let's get back to your film, In the Mm -hmm. Dark. Okay, so you scripted it. You're the director. All right. Let's just cover like some basics then. Where did your idea come from? Was it like anything related to a personal event? Was it just interest in nightmare, sleep paralysis or, or just unseen things in the night that, that make people stay awake?
0: I did have uh, sort of a thought of something that would happen in my childhood, not a traumatic incident, but I remember as a kid, um, if I didn't want to go to sleep, uh, my dad wanted me to go to sleep, he'd say it's bedtime and I'd say I'm not tired and he'd be like, well, just close your eyes and you'll go to sleep. And that tried it wasn't and true, yes, Dad. Isn't. It wasn't related to any sort of nightmare or trauma with sleep paralysis or anything like that. But I really enjoy the horror genre, and I wanted something that I could write for one scene, you know, one location, super easy, something that could really be condensed down. Um, Something that we could do with no real money attached to it. And it fit everything.
1: What I liked about your piece, as opposed to like, I mean, I mentioned to you that I was one of the volunteer judges that kind of was the gatekeeper for helping assess incoming film. So one thing that I noticed and I, you know, it wasn't unique to this event, but just an independent film is, is the photography um, typically relies on a camera pretty much sitting still and capturing a scene from start to finish. Your film, though, the, the camera, it didn't exactly move, but it did have a lot of different shots uh, all, all crammed into one minute. And that was an aspect of it that I thought was great. What led you to that choice, or is that just something you've always admired in films that you like?
0: Well, I look at the films that I watch and that I've listened to people critique, and I really think it's important to have that variety of shots in any film, because if it's too stagnant, you can lose interest very easily. Um, The audience has difficulty really connecting to it, I find. But you also don't want to have too many shots because then it has the opposite effect. So it was really about creating interesting and dynamic shots, especially because we weren't showing a lot of effects or anything like that. There really aren't any effects in the film. And it's one character in one space. So we had to make it dynamic in other ways.
1: I guess maybe what people are trying to get away with is mm-hmm. low production
0: values,
1: because <laughs> they don't they don't have everything they need to like dress the entire set, light the entire set. For so sure. if they just shoot one direction, then you know that'll do it. But you probably had to attend to this entire room, up, down, left, right, um, light it all, uh, make it consistent from shot to shot, and you did that pretty successfully, I thought.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's um, definitely, we dressed the space and um, we, we did our best to make it as close as possible. And we had, we didn't have a storyboard in the traditional sense. We had a shot list Okay. and it would just say like shot of fan, shot of, you know, dresser or nightstand or items in bedroom to sort of paint a picture of who this person is. Um, to really get as much information, be that verbally or non-verbally, into the film as possible.
2: You know, we come from a narrative, or at least I a filmmaking, and it's, you know, we're, you know, it's a storyboard, it's a shot list. We're really blocking shots, getting characters, you know, actors to move in and out of the spaces, getting a cool shot, and this was a much smaller, uh, space to work in so it was it was kind of liberating and not not so many variables as i'm normally used to it just goes to show you don't need a lot of thing to communicate an effective emotion
1: was the actress an actress or was she a friend or
0: the actress gabby i have worked with her on a few different productions and uh, throughout houston she is local and uh she's typically done crew but she also models. And I told her, you know, I've got this project. I think you would fit the role really well for it. And she did an amazing job on it. And Gabby did actually get the Best Actress uh, Award for Zeal Reel, which was very exciting. She really pulled it off, I think.
1: What did you end up um, shooting with?
0: Well, I brought uh, an Osmo Pocket so we shot with that. And then, uh, Jason, which camera uh, did you have?
2: It's, it's a Sony. Uh, it was one of the older ones, but it's a 4K mirrorless uh, camera. It's pretty compact.
1: Like a DSLR mirrorless. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and what did you assemble it all in?
2: Yeah, Final Cut Pro X.
1: And was the crew just you two or was there others from the Houston film community helping you out?
0: It was myself, uh, Jason, Gabby Nelson, and then uh, Anya Rodionova is um, another friend of mine who also works with Gabby and I. And uh, she was there as well helping with the filming and photography.
1: All right. So this is your first video movie project in a while, Victoria, you were explaining to me that you have some background in this, it's been a little time since then, um, and now now you're back at it. What drew you back in? What was like, you know what, I need to do this again?
0: I, I had gone to a university in Tokyo, actually, Temple University has a campus there. And I did a bachelor's in communications and video production. I had gotten to a point there where I started doing some documentary work um, for a course that I was doing at the time, and I really enjoyed it. I finally got to a place where I was excited to have connections and be trusted in that community and then covid hit (laughs) and um in that process of lockdown and graduation and some of the stuff going on in japan at the time uh my visa uh ran out and i could not get it renewed and ended up coming back to houston uh where i grew up and you know ended up here with no connections i think like most people i sort of hid out for about a year and then uh, started, once it things felt a little safer, started uh, getting in on some local productions. I found through Facebook groups. I would PA and do whatever I really could, wherever I could on what was available. And I got into first ADing and producing, uh, especially with sort of my business background as well was, fairly confident in that but didn't really feel like i could write Mm -hmm. until i started speaking with jason and we got into this film then i realized you know i really enjoy this i don't need someone else to help me write i can write on my own and so that's sort of how this happened (laughs)
1: What about you, Jason? What about your history with, with filmmaking? Um, have you been making films for a while or always in a producer role or here, there and everywhere?
2: i um, making films for about, it's been 10 years, so it's been a while, uh, you know, I mean, you just wanted to be a director, you know, directing movies and stuff. But I started getting into it and there, you know, found out that there's multitude of, of positions that you need to do and things that need to happen. So I kind of started producing and then got into writing. So I've done short films probably since 2014 around there was when I started my first short film. And then... Um, Produced them, directed them, edited most of them, wrote most of them. But yeah, that's what I've been. Uh, that's what I've. That's kind of and, and it's only been, just about one short film project a year. So I you know raise the money, hire the crew and everything, and find the locations and just, and make the movie. You know, so that's pretty much what I've been doing.
1: Any specific genre or or uh, I don't know interest.
2: You know, I started out doing horror and and that it's just so much fun. You know, horror is just it's just such a fun genre to work in. You get to play with blood. It's it you know, you're forgiven if it if it doesn't turn out all that great. It's easy to to elicit the emotion and then I kind of went into uh, more drama. I did a period piece that's expensive it it, it really was it, it really was but i i'd like to think that i produced it well enough that it looked good i think we probably 20 or 30 thousand dollars that we you know spent on that <laughs> on that short film which uh, which is really tough it's it's really tough to get any traction with those things but now i'm coming back to a horror and um you know teacher horror script and getting back into the horror scene, and in, in going to the Horror Film Festival this past weekend was just so inspirational. And it made me j- just think that there's a lot of support out there, particularly in this city, for this genre.
1: Yeah, I mean, Victoria and I were talking about it offline that we had attended, without knowing each other, prior to this fest. We had both attended the 2021 mm-hmm. edition. And... I don't know. It seemed like maybe four times as many people attended this one as that one, just in my rough estimation.
2: Yep, absolutely. I believe it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to know you guys a little bit more. What is your favorite movie all time, Victoria? Victoria?
0: that's that's a very difficult isn't it question yeah it is (laughs) you know i i've got to say one of the films that i like to come back to because i always find something different in it is Alejandro hodorowsky's santa sangre that's i think a really interesting story it's unique it has always there's something i see a detail here or there that just you know i never notice and i've seen that film probably about 10 times Hmm. And I keep coming back to it.
1: What about in the horror genre?
0: I mean, there's a lot of great films. I really love, um, I, you know, I guess this is more thriller, but, uh, Satoshi Khan films, uh, you know, perfect blue, uh, is, you know, I think a really great film, uh, very terrifying. I think, uh, Lake Mungo is a great horror film that also does a lot with none of the special effects that you see today. Um, In a lot of films, it really, the story speaks for itself.
1: What about you, Jason? Favorite movie and favorite horror movie?
2: Well, favorite movie for me, I got to go with something that just caught me whenever I was a child and I watched it. uh, That was Empire of the Sun. Uh, Steven Spielberg film. I think it was Little Christian Bale, mid '80s, mid-age. John Malkovich and even uh, Ben Stiller's in that movie. Oh wow! Uh,
1: now that Small one I didn't role. know. Yeah,
2: you know, it's like a journey for the kid. You know, just a long. Uh, you see him change over the long period of the war, uh-huh. and it was uh, just so inspiring for me. Just just to watch the transformation where he goes from the beginning to the end. But, but, but I, I love all of uh, Spielberg's early films. The Color Purple, really? Oh, my God. That one, too. I think those two, Color Purple and, and Empire of the Sun, for me, was like, oh, my God, this is something that I... I, I just want to take that emotion <laughs> watching those films and just keep it... I, I will always keep it with me. Just love the way that the, the films make you feel, the emotion that it elicits. So horror films... You know, I I, I go to the Houston Horror Film Convention and there was – I see a lot of alien stuff. So I guess I could go with either alien or aliens. Like I would say both of them. Alien because it's simple but very story. You know, it's a horror. The Indians get killed one by one by one. Everybody dies except the last person standing. But it was just so elevated in the set design, in the world that it sets everybody's imagination off. So you show a lot, but there's so much more that everybody wanted out of that film. And and true to form, James Cameron just took it to the next level. I for see, me.
1: Victoria. Your your tastes are That's a little right. little film schooly for me. Uh, uh,
0: really?
1: <laughs> I cannot speak intelligently very long about your choices. I respect them, but I cannot go on and on about them. Popcorn movies, on the other hand, like I'm very adjacent to Jason's choices. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, Jason has great choices too. I I mean, honestly, it's i love so many films and i've seen so many films and it's really hard you know (laughs) i'd I'd say really i don't have a favorite it's just things i've seen that stick to me for one reason or another but aliens and alien great films and especially the editing i think on those films truly made it you know what it is in a way definitely
1: high water marks For those genres. Yeah, for for the, sure. Because it like Alien in particular to me is like right saddling a time where, you know, 70s sci-fi, with the exception of Star Wars, was very slow plotting dour, you know. <laughs> things mm. things were not gonna turn out great for for the people in there. But Ridley Scott managed to take that kind of aesthetic and, and fuse it. With the more modern tastes for something happening, some adventure, some some journey there that that there's something to look forward to. There's some hope there, mm-hmm. um, so not quite Soylent green, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but still some of that really <laughs> rough lived-in aesthetic, um, which makes sure. the film really look great.
0: And the suspense they build,
1: yes.
2: And you you really have to give it to H.R. Uh, Geiger. Yeah. With the, with the creature design and the alien ship, just the vibe that it elicits is just amazing. Terrifying, but it, it's just something beautiful about it too. Yeah. So that that the the, the choice for H.R. Geiger just to the next level.
1: So Let's talk about maybe working in Texas on films. Another person that I got to meet at the film festival, I asked about whether or not the current strikes were any kind of big deal. And she indicated, no, that actually Texas is a very, I mean, it's anti-union for just about anything, but I didn't realize that that extended to film. So what has been your experience or your, I don't know, finger in the, in the air for how that's impacting us here and production, et cetera?
0: Well, from my understanding, the way that SAG works is not the way that a traditional trade union or something like that would work. So with SAG, you really, the only way as an actor to get into SAG is for you to work on a SAG project and be brought in because you have to be. And then once you're in, you cannot work on non-SAG projects. So especially at the very independent level, where there aren't a lot of SAG projects going on, you're not going to have SAG actors here mm-hmm. because they can't work on the projects. When it comes to these local events and things like that, for the most part, on the independent filmmaking level, the the very independent filmmaking level, fairly unaffected because we're not SAG-affiliated and that really cancels it out.
1: So production moves forward. Are Are the people that appear in those films or write for those films, are they at, at risk for future membership?
0: If I'm working on my small project that is not a SAG project and I'm not really working for a company that would you know constitute a scabbing, then no, I'm not at risk. If I were to go and possibly try to sell something to Netflix or one of these other companies that they're, striking against, that might create problems. If I were to try to work on a production, you know, that might create problems. But the tiny independent films really, you know, especially locally here, I don't think that would affect anybody. There are independent films that SAG is approving, once again, that's a level beyond, Right. Uh, I think, what we're currently working on. But there are still films being made. It's just, you know, very small amount of SAG films that have to be approved.
1: Yeah, they, they, they basically fully agree to SAG's current yes. demands on the other AMTP yes. uh, companies. Like A24, I guess, is one of those companies that has agreed and they can produce mm. things.
0: And that's wonderful. It's it shows that there is a possibility to still make films and still make good films, with the current terms because it, it is a very important fight, you know, especially with the AI stuff going on, you know, it it really is a very pivotal moment in filmmaking.
1: It is. It is. Um, I've been to a couple of things this summer. One was a television festival in Austin called ATX, and Mm -hmm. there were several writers there, even though the writing strike had just begun, but they were there to basically talk about why there needed to be a writer's strike. (laughs) And there was a discussion on AI, and these were not no-name writers. This was um, writers from Lost, uh, shows like that or even more recent shows. And they had a lot to say. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, Comic-Con had, uh, before we started online, I mentioned I was at Comic-Con and there was a discussion there featuring voice artists. I guess they probably are the most vulnerable right now Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with AI, because writers are nervous about AI. But AI is not quite going to replace them tomorrow, but maybe next year. Whereas AI can probably replace a lot of voiceover like right now today and even do it in a notable person's voice. And uh, yeah, so that was a pretty wild discussion. Two hours of, of uh, listening to what they had to say. And I'm convinced, yeah, they, when they say existential crisis, they are not kidding
0: You know, there's phone scams that are very sophisticated now that work in AI. So Mm -hmm. it is something that already exists. I mean, artists were the first, uh, you know, 2D artists, illustrators were really the first to be impacted because all of a sudden you can pay, you know, the computer $10 to whip out, you know, all this stuff instantly. And, you know, whereas before people were relying on commissions, especially during the pandemic and that just the rug was completely pulled out from under them. When it's something like, oh, the, the illustrators, people say, well, I'm not an illustrator, so it doesn't really affect me. And then they'll say, well, I'm not a voiceover artist, I'm an actor, so it doesn't really affect me. Or I, I direct and write, but I don't act. But really, these things never stop, and so it's important to really set those boundaries and set them well. Because I mean, one day it'll turn back to you.
1: Well, the 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 trick is that the horse is probably out of the barn, and yes. and they're trying to call it back, <laughs> and, <Yes. laughs> and uh, they're just too late. So now they're trying to to figure out what to do now. Like there are there was a discussion about putting like maybe a six month moratorium on further AI development for things like open AI and, and companies like that. I just don't think that's gonna work. That's
0: no.
1: whoever's in control of that, they're not gonna do that. So somehow they've got to leapfrog ahead and figure out not only today's dangers, but tomorrow and the day after that and try to build in the guidelines that'll protect them then not only here, uh, yes. but internationally, which is even harder.
0: Well, I think also AI is currently unregulated which you know they can just do whatever they want and i think first there need to be very clear regulations i think there needs to be a stop until those regulations are in place because otherwise it's just going to snowball out of control you know i mean that's what we're seeing currently and the quality of the works produced by ai they may not be better they may not even be very good but they're you know mediocre enough for general advertising you know they just have to stick an ip on it and that's very scary is that sort of the trend we've been going to for many years now even before ai
1: you're echoing a lot of the sentiment that i've heard from other people in the creative field and it's a legitimate concern but that's not exactly what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about (laughs) you guys your film and your future plans are there other productions from uh, victoria and jason that we have to look forward to
2: well i've got my short and my feature
1: oh just those okay
2: just those and, and we did uh, yeah victoria can talk about the metropolis
0: we did do a second film after this past one, which is for another local film competition, which is through the River Oaks Theater. And they have uh, Metropolis has entered the public domain here. And so the prompt was to create something inspired by the film, three minutes or less, and then to use footage from the film in your piece. And so we created a metropolis uh inspired film which is less based on the film itself and more about the history of the film and what metropolis means and how you can apply it to your metropolis and so that we hopefully we'll get in we're still waiting for the notification and so that will show at the river oaks theater on september 1st
1: well they're getting down to it (laughs)
0: Yes, and so um, hopefully uh, we get to show it and talk about it live. Yeah, and after that, hopefully it'll be releasable to the public. Personally, I just shot another film uh, titled Pizza Party, which is a comedic horror short. Full Mm. use of practical effects. Uh, I've got an illustrator who's also working on the project as well for a bit of multimedia sort of look. That's been a lot of fun to do. Hopefully that'll show in the festivals next year. I am looking to get a crowdfunding campaign for that to recoup some of the costs. So stay tuned for that. I also, you know, I grew up Jewish and I'm really excited to start writing some more personal stories about my heritage and how I grew up and sort of the superstitions uh, (laughs) from my side of the family. So. I'm very excited for that as well.
1: Wow, that that is a very active slate. I mean it Thank you. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like you're a you're a person that perhaps was frustrated from a period of inactivity and we're like, you know what? Screw that. I am producing now.
0: Well, I think it's important as an independent filmmaker, you know, I really want this to eventually be a full time career for me. You know, in order to do that, I have to show that I can not just create one thing, which is a hurdle in among itself, but that I can consistently deliver, consistently tell different stories. So that's really my focus right now is coming up with different stories and doing different things.
1: I have a lot of respect for that outlook and that ambition, Victoria. Thank you. What about you, Jason? Are you uh, collaborating or do you have your own? um, You mentioned a short and a a feature. Are these written down anywhere? They are. Good. That's a good start.
2: But both of them are. You can't just wait around and, you know, just say, Hey, you can put it out there and say, Hey, I'm a director. A director really. But yeah, I if you want to make films, the best way to start is to write. So you gotta write, send it out to some people, get the feedback, and then if you wanna do it, you put the money down and raise the money, find the money, and you just make the film have a short the title is called smear the queer provocative title but growing up in um in texas i used to we used to, in a rural community you know we used to play uh, football all the time and it was uh
1: smear the queer is sort of a relative a of football Tackle football
2: game yeah yes yes absolutely so every single project that you do short film feature film it's an exercise in problem solving and how do you capture this thing that was? So you you have to solve the problem, and the problem could be like casting, could be uh, the set design, the special effects, all of those things. And you just basically solve the problem. How much is it going to cost? How long is it going to cost to do? Uh, what are the variables that I need to get it to facilitate this thing going going forward? Because you want it to be you want it to be authentic, you want it to be true. You got to take care of those variables.
1: Well, and it sounds like you've developed um, a skill in budgeting, which is, that's a hard thing for, for anybody to learn. You either kind of can sum up something on the whole and be like, this is yeah. going to cost X because I've done this before and um, stuff like that. Yes. Or you can't. Yes. Even if you've done it before, you just never grasp. It. Sure. Some people never just gain that skill. I mean, independent film production yeah. is going to have... <laughs> it's a super low budget so, and, and a lot of, what, like you just mentioned, problem solving, that it sounds like you've, you've honed some of that.
2: I like to think so. Each one of my projects, I've always had money left over. Enough money that I wanted for post-production, that's another story, because, and then even festivals, because it just, <laughs> production is just like the start of the spend, of the money spend. And then you've oh, got yeah. post-production, then you've got festivals, you've got promotion, all of this stuff that you just... You could spend a lot of money into
1: it. So, Victoria, if someone wanted to do what you just described in terms of they're in Houston or close enough and this is something they're interested in, this is their dream, their calling, whatever, how would they get involved with the scene here?
0: I think the thing that really helped me is the Houston Film Commission has the first Thursdays every month at Brazil on Westheimer and Dunleavy. And you can go for free. And it's a filmmaker mixer and meetup. And they will always show a couple of short films. Um, Sometimes they have like a guest director there. Sometimes it's a test screening for a film, which you can submit a film for test screening. It's completely free. Sometimes, you know, there's a festival that has curated or a special like curator who's curated some short films for us to watch and we always get to talk to somebody about it ask questions we always get to talk after see what projects are going on we you know anyone's allowed to also get up and make announcements let people know what's going on and just going every month has been so beneficial for me to know what's going on not just for what's going on in that circle, but other people from other circles will come and make announcements. So really finding out what's happening. Facebook groups are great. There's, you know, ones for Houston filmmakers, cast and crew, Texas-based, those are really good. I think, you know, also if you want to get into film, try a film, you know, write it yourself, but you don't know where to start. Maybe a competition that's themed would be a good place. You know, Film Freeway, you can look up by location, you can type things in to sort of get the search results you want. And that will give you a bit of a prompt to start writing, Mm -hmm. which can always be helpful. I would just say for those competitions, it's not always the most reusable film if you want to submit it to other competitions later. They tend to be very specific to that competition. Um, But still, you have something you've made, which is great, you know, and that's the biggest hurdle is completing the film and showing it.
1: Speaking of showing it, if someone wanted to see your work or your presence, do you have social media or YouTube channel that people could check out?
0: I do have social media on Instagram. It's Victoria Wallace Films. The issue with showing the films, I did provide you a secret link um, to share. But the problem with putting the films publicly on YouTube is some festivals count YouTube as a distribution source. And so if it's public and, you know, a couple thousand people look at it, all of a sudden they don't want to see your film at the festival because they've, you know, everyone's already seen it. Right, right. So... You know, we kind of have to keep these things locked down for up to a year sometimes. (laughs) That's where we are right now. Hopefully this can be released in about January to the full public. And, you know, the ones that working on currently, it'll take probably January of uh, 2025, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, But that's that's how filmmaking goes. You know, it's you build the hype, you tell people where you're at. You show up to these things, you show your films, you talk about them and you can screen them to people in small batches. And that's really great.
1: (laughs) What about you, Jason? Where could people find you, your work or anything like that?
2: It's uh, on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel and I put up there uh, little clips uh, that I do, trailers to most of my. So it's uh, Jason Leal. I just search at Jason seven 77, and um, it'll pull up my YouTube page. Put up all the trailers on there. And then I think from the trailers, you can get a link to uh, the Amazon uh, rental or purchase link. A uh, few of them, particularly the um, the period piece that I did. You know, I spent a lot of money on it, and I'm still trying to recoup a little bit <laughs> of it so you can buy purchase and so you can
1: search that well thanks guys for talking to me today it was a pleasure meeting you both and hearing more about your backgrounds the film in the dark and what you have um coming out later i'd be happy to talk to you guys in the future if you have something you want to share through through the podcast just let
0: me know Hey, great thank you for having us thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production